Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you stopping by. Going to get part two going now with Kat Kamek, District 3 Republican, great state of Florida. We're talking about Ukraine, the money that's being sent there, and how we couldn't spend that money to secure our own border. We'll get even more into the border as well. Plus, we're going to talk about Twitter and a whole lot of other stuff. Again, here's part two now with Kat Kamek. I think then-President Trump wanted $25 billion to finish the wall. Chuck Schumer said you couldn't find the money. Nancy Pelosi said you can't find the money. And then, of course, we were all racist if we wanted a wall as well. $37 billion more for Ukraine will make it, what, $80 billion, $100 billion? It's become comedy that this guy, Zelensky, shows up on television now and says, we need $5 billion so you can help us with our power plants. We need another $10 billion to help us rebuild our roads. Why? Why am I sending my, my hard-earned dollars there and my kids are going to have to pay back this debt, as you said earlier, uh, to, to a place where we're protecting Ukraine, it appears, better than we're protecting the United States? What, what am I missing? Well, and that's the crazy part is that now, thanks to the Biden administration, we're on both sides of this war. And and I don't think anyone can see the images that are playing out on international news. You know, these horrific images of children being killed by the Russian bombing uh, that is continuous and, and completely unrelenting. It's a heartbreaking situation. Absolutely. Right. Then you have the Biden administration in on one single hand saying we need to send billions and billions of U.S. dollars uh, to the Ukrainians for aid and munitions aid. Then, on the other hand, they release the the merchant of death, one of the most savvy arms dealers in the world whose nickname is Sanctions Buster. You know, so we sanction Russia and then we release the Sanctions Buster, who is infamous for corralling together hard-to-get arms to arm terrorists that target Americans, who is now out there being an arm of uh, a propaganda machine for the Russians, who is going to be specializing in acquiring Iranian drones and shells from North Korea to continue to kill Ukrainians, which, again, then on our other side, the, the Americans are financing the war front for the Ukrainians. So we're, we're playing against each other. I don't think the Biden administration has put two and two together. And I know that's difficult for a guy who takes cues from the Easter Bunny. But even <laughs> still, you would hope somebody was in the White House that would say, hey, maybe if we're going to pick a side, we should stay on that side instead yeah. of playing both. But, you know, former President Trump said that he was offered Paul Whelan in exchange yeah. for the merchant of death. The guy's name is the merchant of death. That should tell you don't let him go. And Trump said, I wouldn't have taken 100 people for the merchant of death because this guy was so bad we had to keep him in. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why you need a president who understands the art of the deal. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about President Trump. He wrote the book on the art of the deal. When you look at the CV, the resume of the merchant of death, this guy was in the KGB with Putin. He's one of his best buddies. He specialized, like I said, in acquiring weapon systems, very advanced weapon systems, not like we're not talking like, oh, he's going to send a few boxes or pallets of ammo. Right. You know, this guy was acquiring surface 
surface-to-air missiles. Um, he was working to get Iranians uh, weaponry. He was working to source Iranian uh, weapons for terrorist groups. Same thing in North Korea. He's worked in Central and South America. He actually gave the Taliban uh, an entire suite of arms to target Americans in terrorist attacks. This guy is quite literally every bit the name that he has, the merchant of death. And when you're looking to put someone out there to say, oh, we are winning this war, the Americans are weak, you get the, the guy who is not only going to help you navigate the very complex sanctions field of acquiring weapon systems, but now he's become the talking head saying, we're going to go out there, I'm going to join in in the Ukrainian war, we're going to defeat the Ukrainians, we're going to do all this. And thanks, America, for, for doing that for us. Now it looks like we're somehow complicit, which uh, thanks right. to the Biden administration, the Americans are, in facilitating the Russians getting more weaponry. I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling it to is. me that this has happened. On top of all of that, he also is responsible for countless thousands of dead people in Africa. He actually yeah. brought in AK-47s by the tens of thousands, according to our own uh, ATF back in uh, 2010. Uh, he was responsible for... Bre- they were using machetes and sticks in, in, that, in, the, in the fights between the warlords in, in Africa. He brings in heavy arms and tens of thousands are just dead now because of yeah. him. And the whole world is laughing that we gave him up for a, a, a basketball player. They just don't understand why this happened. It's Cat Kamek, District 3 Republican, great state of Florida. Let's talk about the border. I'm not far from the border. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. By the way, they brought many thousands of the Haitians that were in Del Rio under that bridge to San Antonio, let them go on the streets here. Uh, El Paso, in a 24-hour period, according to Fox, got 2,600 illegal aliens across the border. If you look at I-10, right there by the Rio Grande on the other side of the border, there are thousands waiting for Title 42 to go away. And Mayorkas and Biden and Kamala Harris all say the border is secure. Kat, what a, I, I'm confused. You said mind-boggling about Victor Boot. What, what, what should I think of this? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how many times we can scream it from the rooftops. The border is is not secure. This is a humanitarian crisis. This is a public health crisis. This is a national security it's crisis. It's literally wide open. It's wide open. Yeah. I was in El Paso a couple weeks ago with a, a couple of members of Congress, and we were meeting with Border Patrol agents. I stood there at the line looking across the river, and there were encampments of Venezuelans flying the Venezuelan flag, by the way. Yeah. Not of the American flag, but just dozens of Venezuelan flags waiting to basically surge across the border. The interesting thing to me is that for 12 miles straight, there wasn't a single agent on the line. And the reason why is because they were all pulled back to process and babysit. Mm. Because what the cartels do is they will surge people across, family groups typically, and children, so that a few miles up or down the river, they're moving the valuable product, right? The the fentanyl, the weaponry. They're trafficking the single adults that have criminal records, that are sex offenders, gang members. Those are the high-value targets that pay a premium to be moved across or they're mules that work for the cartels. We know this because we've captured this on footage with drones, with satellites, you name it. But the the fact remains is that the Democrats have repeatedly said the quiet part out loud, despite the, the press office out of the White House saying there is no border crisis. It's not wide open. Well, then why are the Democrats in the Senate saying, oh, well, we have a comprehensive immigration plan. Oh, and the sweetener for the Republicans is border security. If the border was secure, why would that be a part of the deal? And furthermore, just on a constitutional America first comment, 
border security is not a bargaining chip right. ever. It should never be used as a bargaining chip. I don't care if you are a Republican, a Democrat, an independent Green Party. I don't care. You should want and demand border security no matter where you are. And that, to me, is the most disgusting element to the negotiations that are playing out right now in, on Capitol Hill with regard to the so-called immigration deal. But the fact that we have miles and miles of unsecured border where it is unfettered drug and human trafficking being facilitated by the United States government under the direction of the Biden administration, where you have the Secretary of Homeland Security who tells you that everything's good, everything's fine, they're stealing money out of FEMA to pay for the border processing as they continue to build soft-sided facilities, they're releasing people into the country with no notification for these communities who then take the burden in the schools and the health system and in all the public um, assistance programs. It is absolutely a crisis of epic proportions. It cannot be understated. And that's going to be number one on the docket when Republicans take back the House. Just to add what you said, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre keeps saying that day one, Biden presented a bill. First of all, the president doesn't present a bill. That's either the House or the Senate. There is no bill that he presented. Uh, some sort of a plan that he was going to fix the border and fix our asylum system. The border and our asylum system was working perfectly under Donald Trump. The second Biden won, that's when the flood started coming. Now he's going to get rid of Title, uh, title 42 because of the pandemic that we're told is continuing by Fauci, but suddenly it's gone at the border. Um, there are thousands more waiting to come in. So you get the House of Representatives. You'll take over in less than a month. What specifically can the House do? You can uh, you do control the purse strings, but you can't defund the Border Patrol. Do you defund the IRS agents, the 87,000 new ones, and redirect that money? Do you have that ability? Does the Senate have to agree? Because with the Senate and the presidency in the hands of the Democrats, what literally do you have the power to do when you take over on the border? So, uh, well, first order of business, um, the number one bill that is going to be introduced and passed immediately is defunding 87,000 IRS yes. agents. So that that's critical because they're immediately targeting all of these middle class families around the country. Exactly. And then we use that money and we're going to secure the border through a variety of technology, um, additional personnel, et cetera. But the big thing that all of our agents are asking for is a policy. They say all the force multipliers of technology and critical infrastructure like a wall, that's nice and it's very helpful, but what they need is a policy because the biggest detriment to them right now is the ability uh, or the inability for them to do their jobs. Their hands are tied behind their backs. And Title 42 going away is really the last tool in the toolbox that the Border Patrol agents have. And so it was never designed to be a long-term policy. Right. And of course, it was tied into the public health emergency, which I think it's well past time for us to say that there's no longer a, a public health emergency. The only good thing right now is Title 42, which is helping us turn people back around. But it's a temporary fix. It's a Band-Aid. And so what we have in terms of the tools in our toolbox in the majority is, of course, the power of the purse. We can withhold funding from all kinds of projects that the Democrats will care deeply about. And we're going to play hardball with the Senate. I don't care that they think they can drive the spending out of the Senate. The fact of the matter remains that all spending bills originate in the House. Yes. And they are going to need the majority in the House to actually approve what they want to bring up. And even if the Democrats and a handful of very moderate Republicans wanted to go ahead and move things, it's still the leadership, the Speaker of the House and the majority leader that control what comes to the floor. So we have it on good authority that there will be no 
uh, no bills that are coming from the Senate that we will take up and pass unless they're passing our initiatives. It's really right. long past time we play hardball. But the second issue is not just the, the power of the purse, but our oversight capabilities. We're charged explicitly with oversight and accountability of the administration. So we're going to be doing a litany of investigations. And the key point of that is to then issue criminal referrals. So many people have said, why don't we just go out there and impeach, impeach, impeach? We not only have to do the investigation to build that referral, the actual oversight component to then do the criminal referral to the DOJ, but we have to prove that these issues are not a Republican-driven issue. Americans, regardless of your party, should be caring about the fact that there is a double set of standards happening in this country. If you are of the liberal elite class, you're living by a different set of standards right. that us normal Americans are not, uh, you know, we're not able to do. So I think we have to do it for a multitude of reasons. But if we do not exercise that, that express oversight and authority that we have to hold Washington, the swamp as we call it, accountable, we lose the trust of the American people. And that cannot happen. We have got to drain the swamp. We have got to show that there is transparency and accountability in Washington and that there is consequences for people who continue to subvert the rule of law. Well, thank you for giving me direct answers on that. I've asked many people about what exactly can you do. And, well, we have to try to this and maybe we can work with that. <laughs> but you specifically said oversight. Yeah, we'll look at impeachment. We have to do something about the border. We're going to redirect and defund that 87,000 you know, uh, IRS agents that we don't need and put it back to the border. And if they don't like it, they're not going to get anything out of the Senate. First person I've heard say we will hold them basically hostage in the Senate if mm -hmm. they don't do what we want because we control the purse strings. It's District 3 Republican, great state of Florida. Just a couple of minutes here. If you don't mind, uh, tell me your thoughts about Twitter. I feel vindicated. I've been shadow banned and blacklisted and, and yeah. in 10 years I had 25,000 followers. Suddenly it's 150,000 because all of those uh, those chains have been taken off and the, the playing field has been, has been leveled. Is it exactly as you thought it was as the Twitter files come out? Is it worse than you thought it was? What, what are your thoughts on that? I obviously I think that it's it's pretty bad what's come out. I mean, uh, am I surprised by a lot of it? No, because yeah. we knew that there was shadow banning going on. I've been shadow banned. Um, so many of my my colleagues and and folks that work in conservative media have been shadow banned yes. or outright blocked from from the platform. So I'm not terribly surprised, but there have been some indications. There's far more to come. Yeah. Things that I think are particularly dangerous is the suppression of uh, the health data that has been proven through scientific publications, peer-reviewed publications, particularly about the vaccine, things like that that have been suppressed to fit a political narrative. That, I think, is going to be a very deep, dark hole that we start going down, and we're going to find out that so much um, that was put out about the vaccine, about covid was actually misinformation from the other side. And people made life-changing decisions based on what was being published and what was being suppressed. So I think there's going to be a plethora that is uncovered relating to elections, relating to COVID, relating to Hunter Biden, yes. relating to the DOJ, the FBI. There is so much that's going to come out. And it's going to be really important that we take it one bit at a time and make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. There has to be accountability and consequences. Scariest thing is that you 
YouTube, Google, and Facebook meta, they're bigger than Twitter, and we can assume that they've done the same thing, if not on steroids, and hopefully we'll find that out as well. Kat Kamek, District 3 Republican, great state of uh, Florida. Thank you so much for the time, for your hard work and your vigilance in, in putting America first. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year if I don't talk to you. Hey, Merry Christmas to you too. Thank you so much. All right, we're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. I appreciate you stopping by. There's a lot going on, lots to get to. We've got Gregory Wrightstone next hour. We're going to talk about climate change or whatever that even means. He says that since 1900, the climate has has gone up by one degree Celsius. He says it's actually a good thing. More carbon dioxide, actually a good thing. And he's going to explain exactly why. Plus, that whole nuclear fission or fusion thing that we heard about yesterday or the day before, where they claimed... They, the output of energy from some nuclear fusion was actually greater than the input of energy it took to get to, to make it happen. He says that's just not true. That is not what happened. So he'll explain exactly what did happen. Back to Kat Kamek for a second. What an impressive young representative. She's like 32, 33 years old. That's amazing to me that she is so sharp and she is so already versed in the ways of Washington that she's already making plans, along with many others in the House of Representatives, to really get something done. And what I wanted to hear somebody say from the House of Representatives on the Republican side was exactly what she said. We're going to make the Senate understand that we will not take up anything they send us, nothing, unless we get what we want as well. We hold the purse strings. The House of Representatives, it's interesting because people think that a representative is a, is a lower step than, than a senator. Once you're a representative for a while, maybe you run for Senate, and then you're one of the senators. And I think the reason we think that is because there are 435 in the House, only 100 in the Senate. I think that's why people think that it's more important a job. The more important job is in the House of Representatives because they actually have the right to spend the money. All funding goes through the House of Representatives. When she says, we're going to defund the 87,000 IRS agents, I believe her. And if the Senate says, you can't do that, the House says, well, we will never do anything that you want us to do unless you give us the 87,000, make them gone. And we're going to redirect that money to the border, which is where it's needed. Sharp, sharp as a tack. I like her a lot. I think we've got a young wave of representatives and even some senators who are making a difference, who are making waves and who won't just sit by as Republicans in name only, rhinos, or establishment Republicans, just get along with everybody. No, it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's fight it out. Okay, we've got what you want. You have what we want. You better do what we want or else you're not getting it. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. Scroll down, click on contact. We're back after this. This is the Joe Pags Show.